everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 523. The NFL playoffs are set. Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. Frank joins always with Eddie. Eddie, the NFL playoffs are set and loaded, locked and loaded. Are you ready? I guess so, yeah. It seems it was one of those things I was thinking about it today. It feels like the NFL regular season absolutely flew by. I, like you always do say of... that, and this is the first year I actually think it didn't for me. Maybe because I didn't win okay. very much gambling wise that I can remember each week, like another agonizing one loss bet. (laughs) So it feels like I've been losing and one loss is forever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the story of a lot of people's lives, but yeah, it's um, no, I felt like it really flew by, especially because I feel like there've been more storylines within this NFL regular season than maybe there normally have been. I know it's almost I think it's a record-setting season in terms of the number of teams that used three or more quarterbacks. It's the record-setting season in terms of like a number of different, in terms of the number of sort of total active players used and stuff like that. Yeah. So there's been, you've had all of these different, you know, no, a number of teams have gone through multiple iterations within a single season. I mean, obviously, from my perspective in particular, like the 49ers feel like they lived three different lives. Maybe even, you could maybe say four over the course of this season and yet you know it's only been four months it's, it feels very strange yeah it, it is crazy i didn't see that stat about the number of teams that have used three quarterbacks but as soon as you said it i could literally have counted already like four or five off the top of my head it's pretty crazy i th- i think i think it's the most since like 1950 or something like that and i think when you're going that far back <laughs> i think the comparison doesn't even yeah, work no it doesn't you know like it's and that was, I need to clarify that it's starting quarterbacks because yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously, yeah, it's, you, you could have a situation you're not counting, like putting in a replacement for the, yeah, you know, putting in Reeves. final drive. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, good season and uh, interesting, for the most part, interesting set of playoff games. There's not too many that look totally unappealing. Usually that first, the wild card weekend, usually got like almost 50% sometimes where you're like, well, that team's going to win easily. Yeah. I don't care about watching this team at all. This time around, there's at least something interesting in most of Yeah, them. and I would almost say there isn't any game. We're going to have to wait till we preview these because a lot of injuries are going to be critical for some teams, you know, like the Ravens and the Dolphins with quarterbacks and stuff. But if you say that teams are healthy and most of the starters that should be there are there, there aren't many games where I have a clear-cut pick. I mean, even for me, the standout one would probably be the Niners versus the Seahawks, but they just played a few weeks ago, and it was actually a pretty close game. I mean, it wasn't a blowout by any standard. Uh, so even that game, you know, we'll see what the spread's going to be, but if it's a seven, eight-point spread, that's that's going to be a little tough to pick the Niners to to win that. So it, all pretty, all going to be pretty close games. I mean, even the other ones, you look like Giants-Vikings. They just played a few weeks ago, and that was a really good game. So uh, there's going to be a lot of good matchups and a lot of interesting matchups for sure. And remember last year, both number twos lost first round. Yeah. 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 No, I would be surprised if that happens this time around. 
Um, just so you know, the spread in the Niners Seahawks game is 10. Yeah. See, that seems so, like a lot for me. It, it doesn't necessarily for me, but yeah, it's, um, I, I do agree with you. Like the Vikings, I think the Giants Vikings game is probably the most compelling in terms of, I think it's the most up for grabs. Yeah. Every other and other, I feel like there is a better team. I, and it seems disrespectful for the Vikings in some ways, I guess, because they've been so good at some moments of over the course of the season, but also so bad. But yeah, we can save that for the next episode when we will do our, our full preview yeah, of all of the games from the wild. Card it's going to be tough for me because I've never had the, uh, I guess the tough aspect of having my team in the playoffs to, to choose who's going to win a game. So now I kind of know what you have to go through every year and, and pick the Niners, even though they're clearly not going to win. <laughs> yeah, it's the most relevant the Giants have been over the in the history of this podcast. But yeah, I guess where do we? I have a question for you, and this before we do a little wrap yeah. up. This is maybe a little teaser towards our preview for the playoffs themselves. Okay. But with a little bit of Brock Purdy in mind, because he's obviously now undefeated as a starting quarterback going into the playoffs. If you had to do a little power rankings of starting quarterbacks for the wild card weekend. How do you order them? So if you want, I can give you the list for this. I guess we'll say we'll put Tua in as the Dolphins starting quarterback for wild card weekend, even though obviously there is a possibility that he won't be playing, but we'll sort of factor in. You can even for the Ravens throw in Lamar Jackson uh, I, to, to simplify the process. Can I get some clarifications. Now, this isn't yes. like when we talk about just how great they are. This, this is, is win, right now. This is this year. Win this weekend. Win this weekend. With yeah. what team are they playing with? No, no this is like no, like you're, you're draft. You're drafting. Generic, you're like building generic team. Yeah, you're building. Yeah, you're building a team going into this weekend. You've got to okay. draft from this pool of quarterbacks. Okay. Build your team. It's a lot of teams. Do you want to start bottom? <laughs> Do you want to start bottom up? Uh, I'm taking Let's. a quick look at the teams now. Uh, I've got a good idea of the bottom. I think my you got 12 quarterbacks. Yeah, I think my bottom's gonna have to be <laughs> R.I.P. to the New York Giants, but I think it might have to be Daniel Jones. Um, I, and I don't think yeah, he's and I don't fair. think he's actually that bad of a quarterback. I mean, I have to say this year there isn't a team in here that really has like a bad like a a quarterback that can lose them the game. Which is going back. It's also unusual because it's, I'm so used to definitely on the like Saturday wildcard weekend game, yep. you'd have like the Texans playing or someone with like a quarterback where you're like, this person has no right to be starting a. And NFL I mean, I guess we game. have to wait and see and about I, Jackson and Tua. Cause then we would have that with Skyler. And yes. uh, uh, I don't know who the Ravens are even going to start. They were both down to their third string, both teams uh, on week 18. So yeah, you're right. Those, those, those are the two areas where we could. And I mean, look, in some respects, you'd say like Brock Purdy should semi be on that list. <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you are talking about the last pick in last year's NFL draft, a guy who was not expected to have any kind of substantial NFL career and is now a starting quarterback going into wildcard weekend. If you could, you can't ignore his body of work over the last several weeks, but if you do, he would be on that list of like, how on earth yeah. is Brock Pur Purdy starting an NFL playoff game? Yeah. All right. So I'll go 
Daniel Jones on the bottom. I'm going to – this is another tough one for me. I'm going to have to go Trevor Lawrence next. Interesting. I think he has gotten better, but you just watch sometimes like, – this season he's played a lot better, but every once in a while you watch a drive where it's like, ooh, that was rookie year Trevor Lawrence right there. What a bad decision. So untested in the playoffs, right? So, uh, yeah, great college career, but still NFL playoffs a little different. Um, I will then go hmm, – this is like a tie here. I'm going to go no, no ties. ties. Oh, shit. No ties. All right. All right. I'll give do someone it. I'll edge. go Brock Purdy next. Wow. You're putting Brady above Purdy, and I did not expect that. Yeah, and I do really like Brock Purdy, but I think a lot of his success is due to he has a great coach, a great surrounding environment. You don't have to rely on him too much yet. And he's very unproven. Even in college, he's pretty unproven. So I'll, I'll put him up there. I will next go Geno Smith. Okay. I, I, I'm going to say I disagree pretty strongly on your okay. list so far. But I can understand where you're coming from, obviously. And there's yeah. a lot of – it's it's Geno so, Smith, uh, I think, subjective. would be – this is these, – these ones are kind of all clustered close. So Geno Smith, I think, is here – He's had a great year. His completion percentage is like through the roof, like 69, 70%. But it's still, at the end of the day, it's Geno Smith who's had one good year. And I don't know how much I trust a guy who's only had one year of success. I would then go Cousins because I think Cousins has the talent, but in the prime time, he is a huge question mark. And so much so that I just really have to question that. You know, like I can't trust someone who you put him in the spotlight and it's a disaster. And then the next one, I'm going to do the complete opposite. And that's where I'll put Brady because I don't think he's the level of Brady we're anywhere near used to, but it's still Tom Brady and he's an absolute gamer. So I can never discount Tom Brady in a big situation. Those are all kind of clustered together because they have different characteristics, you know, with each from there. I would probably go uh, Tua. Still not 100% faith in Tua. Then probably, I'm trying to make sure I'm not missing anyone. Oh, shit. I forgot about Dak. Uh, I forgot the, about Dak. Yeah, uh, da I forgot Dak about Prescott Dak. has made it shit. really, really I'm going to put Dak. I, I, I forgot about Dak Prescott. I'm going to put Dak below Geno. Okay. Dak Prescott, unbelievable statistic from this season, regular season. He led the league in interceptions, and he missed five games. <laughs> That's bad. Actually, you know what? You're right. You're right. <laughs> I think I'm even putting him too high there. I might, I don't know. I'm going to put Dak second to last. <laughs> right in between, like kind of like Trevor Lawrence and Daniel Jones is where I put Dak. I, I, yeah, you're right. He has not had a good season at all. We've talked about it before. I, I completely missed the Cowboys when I was looking through this. Um. But yeah, then Lamar, Tua, then Lamar, and then I would go Herbert, and then who am I missing? What a blow to your your lover boy that you haven't put him top of the list. No, it'd be Herbert, Burrow, Allen. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you on the top three there. I would have shuffled uh, some of the ones underneath. And yeah, Dak Prescott was kind of the standout one as you kept going higher. I forgot. I, 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 it, like, I just kept not looking at Dallas for some reason. I also like how I spent all the time yeah. debating why the bottom ones are shitty and then just cruise through the top ones. Like, I, I mean, I, I think it's, I think I it's do obvious think it's, though, right? Because I think Allen overall is probably the best out of those quarterbacks. But he does have a little bit of a question mark in big games. Whereas Burrow, I don't think, has is a little lower on the talent, but I think it's becoming pretty clear that Burrow is is a big game player. I mean, he steps up in big games, and he is not afraid, nor do I think he gets nervous. And I think Josh Allen still gets like a little nervous or uncomfortable in like end of games a little bit. Maybe, yeah, I mean, his decision-making sometimes in close games has to be questioned for sure. But no, I think the top two are clear standouts. You can make a legitimate argue, argument for however you want to then place those top two. Like if someone says they want to put Burrow number one, I think based on the fact that he went to the Super Bowl last year and you know what he's managed to achieve in a relatively short period of time, you can make a compelling argument. So I think but it would be difficult to stick anyone else in those top two. Then you're kind of going hard overhead. Like if you're sticking Justin Herbert top of that list because coaches rave about him and you just love his talent – that's a little bit insane. Same way if you were saying, if you were putting Brock Purdy significantly higher up that list, because he's never lost an NFL game. He's been pretty, you know, effective, efficient in each one of his performances so far. You'd be going hard overhead for sure yeah. there. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting list of quarterbacks. You would have had, you would have made big, big money if you had predicted the starting quarterbacks, like beginning of this season. If you had said, I want to put a place a bet on who the starting quarterbacks will be for wild card weekend, if you'd thrown, let's not even consider Brock Purdy because he just wouldn't have been on anyone's list, even the likes of Geno yeah. Smith, right? You would have, you'd have been making big money. I mean, there. what, what would have even been the money of Brock Purdy starting an NFL game? <laughs> even that with Garoppolo and Lance, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, unreal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, Strange, but yeah, I guess we can move on then to maybe some reactions from the final week of the season. That set up this playoffs. <laughs> exactly. Should, before we start on the playoffs, maybe one note to the kind of somewhat irrelevant games that were going on and the Texans' wild decision what are they doing? to just <laughs> blow the number one pick. What are they doing? I mean, with some help, admittedly. From the Colts secondary, I don't know how that wasn't an interception on the final or, play on the fourth and twenty. Yeah. Or, or whatever well, how about it is. the Colts like, offensive lineman stripping his own running back of the ball? <laughs> yeah, but that final play, he like jumps through yeah. the ball. Unreal! It looks like the easiest interception in the world, and he just kind of decides, nope, you know. But it, it's just a crazy move. You understand why? Because it's it's always the interesting thing. There's no motivation for any of the players sort of significantly involved or the coach to care about whether or not they get the number one pick because they're probably firing Lovey Smith. Already fired. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm Quarter pretty sure he was fired this morning. Quarterback, you're gone. You know, so all of the key kind of components have no reason, no incentive to be like, well, let's lose this game and make sure our team gets the number one pick. So anything, it's like, I'm going to lose my job. Screw yeah. you guys. 
going to make this a little bit harder for you. True. Did you see all of the Bills fans that were still like hanging around Soldier Field watching on the screen? They, they put that game up on the screen of all like the, the stadium. All the fans were watching and they went crazy when that happened and the Texans won. They were just going insane because it was the first. now it's the first time that they'll get the number one pick. I think it was since 1940 something. Interesting, though. At one point, I think in the 70s, they tied for the worst record and lost on the coin flip to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who then drafted Terry Bradshaw and won five Super Bowls. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a tough sliding door moment. coin flip there, talking about yeah. coin flips uh, drama. <laughs> yeah, and maybe that's a good way to transitioning to the Bengals game, who had a coin flip celebration early on. Uh, they were efficient. I mean, that game was over yeah. by the end of the first quarter, basically. They got the job done. Obviously, other things didn't go their way in terms of from a seeding perspective, but they finished the season with a nice, comfortable win. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, we'll see what happens this week because it, it is it is a really tough beat for the Ravens right now with their quarterback situation. I mean, a team that you talk about relies on a quarterback. Their offense is shaped around how dynamic Lamar Jackson is. And then once he's gone, it's just, and then Dobbins also hurt. It just, you lose your two best running backs and you're, you're a run, run, run team. And you lose 80% of your running ability is a really tough beat. Which, I mean, the Lamar Jackson situation, I just don't, I'd almost cut him at this point. Like if he's, if you get any, he he's not going to, you can't re-sign him now. Like the fact that he's, it, I mean, there's real similarities, I guess. You've seen it in other sports where players, you know, feel like they they feel aggrieved, you know, and disrespected and so not willing to put their body on the line. And you can understand from his perspective, you know, he probably looks at this Ravens team and says, there's no way we're winning a Super Bowl. So why on earth would I play, potentially get hurt, and in the process cost myself millions of dollars? So you can, like, the sensible decision is to sit out. But at the same time, that's then a major red flag for any future employer. Well, it worked well for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> and and he had a scandal. <laughs> he sat out and had a scandal, and he still is the highest paid quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's going to be the massive controversy, right? Because Lamar Jackson, who doesn't have a major media presence and actually doesn't have a lot of defenders in the media when – the, the kind of this topic comes up, but you know, if he doesn't get, cause you expect basically every free agent quarterback to sign the biggest contract of all time. Like that's just what NFL history tells us over the last 10 years. Like each new person is breaking the record. If Lamar Jackson doesn't have a record breaking contract or at least something close to a record breaking con breaking contract, you know, there's going to be a lot of people saying how on earth does Deshaun Watson with all of his character flaws and possible crimes, get the contract that he got. And then Lamar Jackson doesn't because he maybe milked an injury so that he didn't play in games towards the back end of a season and maybe a playoff game. But like, if I'm a Ravens player, I don't want him to play at this point. I would feel like he's almost not part of the team. Yeah. It's it. Yeah, I agree. It's tough, but I, I, the thing that will be difficult in what you're saying about not being the highest paid is you're going to hear a lot of people saying, Oh, you know, you, he, he's, 
you know, he's done this and that. He's the MVP. He was an MVP. How can he not get a good? That was four years ago now, right? Like people don't realize that was a long time ago. You're now two Aaron Rodgers. MV- like, look at that. Aaron Rodgers won the MVP the last two years. And right now I would say, like, is Aaron Rodgers done? You know, like <laughs> we can get to that later. But yeah. like this is a long time removed for a quarterback who relies on his escapability and his run presence. And you can tell me all you want about how accurate of a thrower he is. It's I don't buy it. Like we've we've done we've done that talk for years now about his his throwing and his accuracy. You know, like he's someone who relies on how quick and and agile he is, and that's four years ago now. Like that's a long time for that type of quarterback. Yeah, and also now you have this somewhat mystery injury. How does that then impact impact? And, yeah, right. And he's been injured and, too. Like not just this injury, but yeah. throughout those years, he you know consistently getting injured. So are you getting a quarterback that's even going to make a season? Yeah. And how committed is he going to be when you start one and six? And this season has shown us, if anything, this, you know, we had a, obviously some of those teams fell short. The Lions came close to being, I think, the first team in NFL history, maybe, to go one and six and then make the playoffs. Uh, the Jags and the Packers were both in a position where well, the Jags obviously made it. The Packers also, um, they were kind of tied for the terms of the, what their start to the season record was. Uh, they, I think the Jags became the fifth team in NFL history to make the playoffs, having started. I think it was when they were three and six, maybe. But you know, both them and the Packers had the possibility of achieving that. So, what this NFL season kind of taught us is that where maybe in the past you could kind of give up on your season, maybe seven or eight games into it. Maybe now it's possible for almost any team to go on a six or seven game winning run. And all of a sudden, be right back in playoff contention. Yeah, for sure. But then, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, I mean, it's probably the biggest storyline of the weekend was the Packers going into a very simple win and you're in game against a Lions team that had earlier been eliminated by the Seahawks winning. And I mean, we said it on the last episode. I think we both kind of agreed that the Lions might be more fired up for this game. They spoke about yep. it. They've subsequently, you know, like they've spoken post game how that was their motivation now was to ruin the Packers. Season. I mean, I think he quoted us I, several times in what we said he would say. <laughs> I think I was I was watching it in a bar, and there were a number of people complaining who didn't want the Packers to make the playoffs, complaining that they thought this was an unfair advantage for the Packers, and I that they got to play as the last game and in a situation where the Lions had then been eliminated. I felt the complete opposite. Yeah. I felt as if the Lions now go into this game with absolutely nothing to I, lose. Didn't matter if they'd lost by 40. Yeah. Absolutely no pressure on any of them. you got Jared Goff, a quarterback who's been prone to making big moment mistakes. All of a sudden, there's no yeah. big moment. I mean, that, so that last drive is lose. proof of that, right? That entire last yeah, well, drive that is kind of, proof that they yeah. didn't give a fuck what was happening anymore. No. <laughs> they no, did a they hook and a, ladder. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. How does he like? Who calls a hook and ladder when you when, like in that situation? Just don't fumble it. Okay, let's no. do a hook and ladder, and and the guy's getting hit as he's throwing it to his to the running back. That was insane. <laughs> yeah, went for it multiple times on fourth down. Uh, didn't kick the field goal, including the game winning fourth down conversion right at, you know after the two minute yep. warning. I think if they're winning, I think if that's a playoff win and you're in, 
they kick the three points and go to overtime. They go up by seven, and they say, "Okay," because I mean, it would have, been, in some respects, given what the Packers had done over the course of that game, you would have trusted your defense yeah. to keep the Packers out of the end zone. Uh, so I think you know those. It, it, ultimately, I think it really worked against the Packers. That being said, they lost that game because of their own poor play. They also, in the first half, had every opportunity to kind of put that game almost out of reach. I mean, they went to the, they were in the red zone on four occasions, came away with, well, four field goals attempts from those four trips. Like they had a more efficient performance from Aaron Rodgers, the crucial fumble by, from Aaron Jones, which, I think that was in a situation where it would have almost put the game to bed. Like if they'd scored, they were at what? That was 9-3 yeah. nearing the end of the first half. If that's 16-3 going into halftime, probably game over. Instead, it was 9-6 because the Lions ended Huge up getting play. that field goal. Huge momentum swing. Yeah, but really bad look for Aaron Rodgers. Killed the myth of his unbeatable Lambeau status. Yep. So that kind of... Multiple dragons were slayed over the course of that game. And I'm with you, too. I I mean, I know what bar you're at, and maybe people don't realize it, but this is also a Lions-Packers major rivalry, right? These are two teams that have hated each other for 50 years. And if you've got nothing to play for except to ruin another team's chances, that is a hell of a lot to play for. And you can play loose and you can play aggressive. And at the end of the day, whether you win or lose, it doesn't matter. But if they lose, it means everything. That's like an optimal situation for a team that like you don't want to play. <laughs> and you're like, absolutely right. They were so much more aggressive, especially those fourth downs when they could have kicked that field goal. Like I was thinking of it in real time. Like if the Lions could win this game, I, I, I would have kicked that field goal when it was like fourth and like a real long two. I would yes. have kicked it to go up seven because yeah, yeah. at that point you have to think the only thing in my back of my mind was if the Packers score, do they then pull the let's go for two and win it at the end or do they go into overtime? That's the only part of me was like, ah, but the Packers might pull that shit that they don't want to go into overtime and they do the two point to just win it at the end. I don't know. But at the end of the day, I was like, I think I kicked that field goal and go up seven and worst case scenario, we, we take it to overtime or the way we're playing, we just stop them. But when you have nothing to lose, yeah. like it doesn't matter, then yeah, hell, go for it. <laughs> and, and the context of the game is important, right? Like you're not playing, it's not the Chiefs Bills in a 41-43 game. You're talking about a low scoring game, but like both teams kind of struggling to move the ball with any consistency, freezing conditions. Like Would have been out not, of timeouts with like a minute you, left. Yeah, you would have felt to yourselves, there's been nothing over the course of this game to make us feel as if the Packers are going to be able to drive down the field with 90 seconds to go and score a touchdown. Like, there's just been no indication of that whatsoever. So, yeah, I think, I mean, there's a, I'm not trying to, there's a very good chance the Lions would have beaten them had they had the possibility of making the playoffs anyway. Like, I'm not saying necessarily, I think the Lions, in a sense, are the better team, but. It definitely didn't hurt, help the Packers that they were against this team that was kind of playing with house money almost. Yeah. Which that then leads me to my second question that I had for you. A couple of teams who didn't make the playoffs in the end who we can speak about in our next couple we're of We're not going to talk about the Jags and Trevor Lawrence and their nice win? Well, no, we'll okay. get okay. No, no, we'll get to there. But 
the Steelers. Well, we're not going to throw. We're not going to say Trevor Lawrence's nice win. Well, that will be a little. That's a teaser for my thoughts on that game. But obviously, the Patriots missed out on the playoffs. They lost to the Bills. Things didn't go that Hell way yeah. in the other games. <laughs> <laughs> the Steelers did their job, but but miss but missed out on the playoffs yeah. because things didn't go their way. <laughs> Mike Tomlin still though never had an under five hundred season. He managed to meet that meaningless require sort of statistical requirement. And my question to you then is And Rogers. Who do you think? Out. No, no, but I'm Okay. Yeah, but who do you yeah, think yeah. <laughs> who do you think the best team to not make the playoffs was? Oof. I'm gonna say I think I'm gonna say the Lions. There's just something about that team. They're just like super gritty. They're just like a like it's kind of how I think of the Giants. The Giants are just a gritty, grinded out team, and they kind of just stay with other teams and just won't give up. And it's kind of what the Lions uh, reminded me of. You know, they're just they're kind of in most games. They'll they'll step up when they need to. They're they have some talent, but nothing like stand out. You know, like I don't know if they're going to have an All Pro on their team. Uh, you know, but you have you have decent players. Actually, you have uh, Jamal Williams, who actually set the Lions' rushing touchdown record over Barry Sanders, which that was pretty impressive. Um, but with an extra game, uh, but yeah, I, I think they're good team and they're well coached. You know, it would have been exciting to see them if if for anything to see Dan Campbell in a playoff media interview would have been pretty exciting. Yeah, although I'm worth mentioning, Dan Campbell's nose towards the end oh of that game God. was God. comically red. It actually had to be <laughs> surgically removed because it had so much frostbite. <laughs> if he had been in a movie and they'd said, look, it's cold, we need to make his nose look red, and he'd come out of like the makeup department with that, that would have been like, that's way too much. That is unbelievably red. I said red, not like Rudolph. Not... <laughs> yeah, like that was... That I couldn't help but laugh seeing that. I think there's a strong case to be made for the Lions as the best team to have not made it. I'm going to annoy you, I think. I think it's the Steelers. Ugh. I think the second half of the season, that Steelers team kind of figured themselves out. You factor in the injury to Watt, which is so significant for them, the, the, the kind of weeks they missed that. I think as it, with a young quarterback and some young players in key positions, they kind of figure things out toward in the, the final few weeks of the season. And I think they are probably the best team to have missed out. It's close in my mind between them and the Lions. But I would say of all the teams who missed out on the playoffs, I now have the highest expectations of the Steelers for next season. Yeah, I mean, two. Which, yeah, yeah, you're right. Two good pieces there. You have Najee Harris and Kenny Pickett actually played pretty well towards the end. So you have two real young position players and you have... Uh, Oh crap! Uh, their their wide receiver, uh, Deontay Washington, right? Yeah, you know he's still a young player. Did really well. It's the second straight year of uh, I think over a thousand. So, yeah, you're right. They do have a pretty good team, and their defense is always solid. So, unfortunately, you may be right. They may have had a quick rebuild. <laughs> yeah, it's like a six week rebuild basically, and then now you're gonna have to be you're gonna have to live through the pain of next season. Quite possibly the Steelers, especially you have to imagine if that Lamar Jackson situation in Baltimore goes badly, if there's no more Lamar in Baltimore, 
And they now you have the Ravens having to start a rebuild there in a kind of worst case scenario because you're not you're coming off a playoff season and then trying to rebuild so you don't have the advantage of good draft picks or anything like that. If you're then in that position, like that then makes the Steelers okay, you'd probably expect the Browns to be better next season, I would assume. You know, like Deshaun a full season of Deshaun Watson, that that Browns team should be better. Like but the Ravens had dropping off. That division looks a little bit more approachable from the Steelers' perspective. Then we also have the Bengals. Yeah, but I'm just <laughs> factoring in that the Bengals are going to no, but the Bengals are going to be. But you can have two good. You can you can very easily, as we've seen this season, have two good teams in the same division. Yeah, it becomes tough to have three good teams. Yeah, because then you just start kind of eating wins off of each other. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess we don't have to talk about it now. We'll have a lot of time in the off season, but. Are you slightly concerned with how poorly Deshaun Watson played the entire time he came back? No, because that's a long time to be away from football. And to also factor in then new team, new playbook, new teammates. Like there's a lot of moving parts there where I think it's unrealistic. People who thought, well, Deshaun Watson's back now. We're going to see the Deshaun Watson from his prime. I mean, not from an age perspective, but in terms of his best performances. I think that was unrealistic. If he struggles next season, then that's when you start to get worried if you're yeah. a Browns fan. What if in two years from he- now we're talking about what was the worst move, Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson? Who would have ever predicted that? It's- <laughs> It's imp- it's almost impossible for me to imagine. I think it's impossible for the Deshaun Watson move to be as, to be worse than the Russell Wilson move, because I think Deshaun Watson would still be tradable. In like even if he's terrible, a couple seasons from now, someone would roll the dice on him. Whereas Russell Wilson, it's either he retires or he's just. I mean, he looks a little bit better this week, but. Not by much, and in a situation where nothing matters. he's still no, and Russell Wilson just like falls over now more than any other quarterback <laughs> I've seen. The number of times you won't know, but it's true though. The number of plays where he's not even really scrambling, it'll just be like, you know, snap, three step, three step drop, and then maybe there's a little bit of pressure, but you just expect him to like step up into the pocket, like not scramble for seven yards, just step up into the pocket, throw the ball. He'll take one step and then he just falls over. It's unbelievable. It seems to happen once or twice a game. <laughs> yeah, well, we won't be seeing that in the playoffs for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, then uh, elsewhere, obviously, we, I guess we mentioned the Patriots got eliminated by the Bills. Game that was actually pretty close for a pretty long period of time. And had the Bills not had two kickoff return touchdowns, yeah. they probably lose that game. Like in the end, they managed to. It looks more comfortable on, like, paper yeah, with the score. Twelve point win. Than it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that game was. There was a moment where it really looked when they went behind again, and then they immediately got the second kickoff return touchdown. It kind of felt like, oh, if this drive doesn't go well, the the Bills are in. I mean, they're not in trouble because they had nothing really to lose. But it it felt like that was not going to be the that game was not going to go well for them. Yeah, and then, I mean, the other game I think that was a little bit of a surprise was Dallas and how poorly they looked in a game that had meaning for them. 
at least for most of the game. Yeah, they until, were. Well, actually, for the whole game, because the Eagles never fully pulled away. No. No. And, and, and you know, there was a moment when and the, the Niners game was close for an, yeah. an extended period of time, too. So well into the third quarter, they were in a situation where either the Niners or the or the Eagles could have lost yep. or both. And uh, they just were terrible. I mean, Dak Prescott. I mean, the a things didn't get off to a good start when they had the fumbled punt. Uh, then you, but you throw in. I mean, I'm, I've rarely seen a quarterback throw. I mean, the picks he has the pick six, but immediately before that, the dropped interception. Like he almost went. I got away with that one. Let's do it again. I got away with that one. I <laughs> don't want to get away with this one. <laughs> Yeah, let's give him a second chance. I felt sorry for that corner for dropping that yep. ball. Let's see if he – I'm sure he can catch it at least 50% of the time. Well, that was like the the lion safety. He had that interception that got called back because there was like that cheap uh, legal hands to the face on, on his team. And then the next drive, he got the next one to, yeah, to come to Rich. Which I think – Only player to in total, intercept he, him three times in a season. Yeah, which is it's a very frank statistic. Yeah. It's like such a bizarrely meaningless for starters. If you're not in in the division, almost impossible to have. I'd say over two interceptions against a, an opposing quarterback, like because to, to have a three interception game is I'd be inter- I'm sure it has occurred in the NFL, but virtually unheard of. But yeah, no, it's uh, that was a bad performance from the Cowboys and. Yes, you can throw out the fact of, in the end, it didn't matter for them. The win would have done nothing. And even, you know, how much does, how significant is the seeding anyway? Like you can, I'm sure if you're the Cowboys, that's what you're telling yourselves today. But going into the playoffs, I think you do want a little bit of momentum. And in a game you were definitely trying to win, that's not a great look. And the reverse, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, Jesus, whose season season looked in doubt for extended periods of time. They're kind of seem to be now. I still expect that they'll probably lose in the first round, but they seem to be finding whatever form it is they have. They're finding it going into the playoffs. All right, I'll let you now do your Jags Titans, which in many ways was the most interesting game, kind of going into it, where you had two teams in a situation where it was. Win and you're in. Saturday night primetime wasn't the greatest game I've ever watched. Uh, uh, that's an understatement. <laughs> Was this the game we texted each other saying this could be the most boring game I've ever seen? <laughs> or, anyway, yeah. or was that the Packers? I think it was this game. <laughs> it was this game. It was pretty terrible. Oh, Yeah. I'm happy that the Jags got in. I think it's a cool story for a team that, you know, had the whole Urban Meyer situation and were able to reverse that fiasco and get back on track. And I liked kind of the Doug Peterson story, how he kind of like, he's got this reputation, you know, took the Eagles and now he's going to come here and do the same. I like that Trevor Lawrence looked better this year. This was not a game he performed well in. And that, again, is why I ranked him so lowly when you asked me, because this was maybe his first big NFL game. You know, this is a win and you're in the playoffs. It's I get it's not the playoffs, but basically is the playoffs when you like a pre-playoffs. And while he didn't look terrible, there were 
we said about three or four throws that a good quarterback makes that wins them that game. I mean, there were two deep throws he completely missed. The guy was wide open. And there was another one. I forget what it was. Like There was like three or four where a good quarterback makes that throw, and that's the reason they won. And he didn't make any of them. That's the concerning part. It wasn't like he missed one. He missed like four big ones. And they got lucky and won that game. Yeah, I mean, it's also he's not getting too much criticism, right? He's he's very lucky that the like how heavily criticized an NFL quarterback is is so that narrative is so often determined by the outcome of the game. And so the fact that they have this fumble return touchdown that without without it I don't think they win. I don't think they even win if they just don't allow that play to continue. And so, you know, like the the Jags recover, but they don't allow it to continue. And so they get the ball on the Titans yeah. 25 or wherever it would have been. I don't think they scored a touchdown because <laughs> there was nothing from Trevor Lawrence to indicate that, that he was going to kind of be composed in the red zone, really. Like everything, and I mean, it's a, it's a tight call on that fumble return. I think that's one of those where pretty much however it was ruled on the field, it was going to be ruled once they reviewed it. Like there's, you can kind of make compelling arguments for either one based on certain angles that you see. To me, in a sense, I, with the way quarterback fumbles are normally enforced, I don't think that's a really a fumble. Like I think his hand is, his arm is moving forward. I don't think the ball goes as far as it did if it hadn't been moving forward, if you see what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think a ball goes 25 yards if he's kind of still got his arm cocked back when he gets hit. It's it's tough, right? And, because I think it also ma- like matters what you do. Because before he starts moving forward, that he, the player tips the ball and the ball's still in his hand, but it's starting to like turn in his hand. So at that point, if you define that as it's like starting the fumbling process, then yes, even though he's pushing it forward, he's pushing a fumbling ball forward. And then, yes, but I don't really know what the intricacies of calling that are. You know, like if it's still kind of in his in his palm, does it still count? Like, I don't, because for, for instance, say he does throw and complete that. Is that like then a recovered fumble or is that a pass attempt? You know, yeah. like it's... Oh, they would have said, they would have said... If it's a gun completed pass, like if that gets caught by it's you know like the running back is just sits, you know there in the flat yeah. catches it goes for twenty yards they would have gone well add another twenty yards there onto the like the yeah. QB stats they yeah. will yeah you're you're definitely right in that respect because technically that should have been called a fumble then a fumble with a recovery and a and a run of twenty yards right yes but I think you're right I, yeah. I they call that a pass so it's a tough one but I agree with you and. The, the crazy thing to me is watching that game, I didn't understand the Jags' defense because, uh, listen, Dobbs might be a great guy, but he didn't have one throw over 15 yards. I don't think he could throw the ball physically over 15 yards. So just cover like 15 yards. Like, they, were, they were covering for like deep cover twos, and this guy can't throw the ball 20 yards. Like, what are you covering? Just blitz the hell out of him and play tight coverage because he's not going to be able to throw it far. It was They kept giving him those underneath routes all day, and it's like, 
this guy. Like he had four attempts over like 15 yards and they were the worst throws I've ever seen in my life. It, it was a weird strategy. Um, but, you know, hopefully they just kind of shake that off and go in the playoffs and play like a team that shouldn't be there. Like the Lions played against the Packers. That's how they need to play. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. um, Yeah. I mean, I think if the Chargers can't beat that team. And obviously we'll get into that next episode. I mean, there's no way you're picking against the Chargers, are you? Like, you should be so excited. The Chargers are one-point favorites. Oh, it's crazy. Going to Jacksonville. It's unbelievable. It's like, unbelievable. Based on what we based on what we saw. I mean, the Chargers didn't look great this weekend either. And why were know, they playing their starters? And they got Mike Williams no. hurt. He got carted off the field. Yeah. Uh, like, that St- St- that Staley gets a sense. bad rap. But sometimes he is an idiot. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. <laughs> like I am all analytics, and I think sometimes people don't understand analytics, so they think he's an idiot. But I, I disagree with those people, but I don't know what he was doing there. You have a team that has had so many injuries over this season, finally getting players back, and you're going to start them all and hope hope they don't get injured again? Like, come on, dude. <laughs> it's because they have such a good medical team. They can just trust them in, uh, under all circumstances, you know. Isn't that the same but medical yeah, no, team um, that uh, put a syringe through Tyrod Taylor's lung? Yeah. <laughs> that was my joke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, that was a, that was a baffling decision. But no, um, yeah, the Titans didn't did not look particularly good and made it through. I'm I'm pleased that they made it through as a kind of neutral. In that situation, as much as you have to admire Derrick Henry, and he still looked at times unstoppable in that game, like it's impressive when it's just they just kind of load the box, they know exactly what's coming, and he still just barrels through players for nine yards. Like it is super impressive to watch, but I don't need to watch a playoff game where it's just Derrick Henry attempting to carry the Titans through a game, sort of literally and figuratively. You know what I also don't get is you're right. The only the only point at which the Titans were good was when they were just giving Henry the ball. And then that last drive, they started first and 10 at the two-minute warning, and it was a pass, a pass, pass, penalty, pass, pass, done. Like, yeah. you have two minutes, you're on the 50. Just give it to Henry every time. He was getting six, I don't know seven, about, eight yards at a clip, at least a, like a I don't score. know every time. No, every time. I think that's – Dobbs was no, awful. No, <laughs> you can't do it every time because the reverse of the, the kind of – I agree with you. It's insane to not to just pass the ball. I think uh, probably a pass attempt on first down, you kind of try and trick them into like we're not just going to run the ball. Second down has to be a Derrick Henry carry. Just for the nothing else, he's not going to get stuffed. So worst case scenario, he picks up three, four yards. Yeah. It gives you a much more manageable than third, fourth down situation. Like to that's the thing that blow that really annoys me about NFL coaches is they they kind of create a rod for their own back in certain circumstances where it's like get yourself into a manageable situation. They'll do it when they know they're going for it on fourth down, and it'll be like third and six. Run the ball. Yeah, make it. Maybe you'll get the first down, but then make it fourth and two, fourth and one. Put yourself in a situation where it's an easy QB sneak. Instead, it's like third and third and seven, third and six, pass attempt, incomplete pass. Now you're fourth and seven. Things get really tough. You can't run it. 
like that those things drive me insane yeah while we're talking about that fumble though another thing and i want to have a, a like a segment in the epi- in the podcast in the future where we talk about sports rules we would like to change i'm not gonna like put you on the spot and make you pick one now but one that bothered me multiple times this weekend and has bothered me for a significant period of time now is intentional downing grounding sorry so downing there but i'm grounding i get that if you have like the eligible receiver but this situation where a quarterback can just basically spike the ball five yards into the ground and you don't want the officials to be in a situation where they have to make like a judgment call necessarily as to was that a genuine pass attempt i think there's the clear moments where it obviously wasn't a genuine pass attempt and i just don't think that should be allowed like it goes against the spirit of that rule of like you need to be you need to be not intentionally throwing the ball into the ground but we allow a quarterback to be feeling the pressure and go oh my running back is somewhere over there in that mass of 15 players so if i just throw the ball into the ground and it lands 6 yards from his feet i can point to that running back and go oh i was trying to get it to him and the officials go point oh yeah 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 there was a guy there like that drives me insane <laughs> yeah i mean i think you can even add a little bit to the rule cuz the part of the rule that I also don't like is the distinction of, so let's say they need, they don't get outside the pocket and they need to throw to, to whatever the, the, the starting line or, or to receive or whatever. If they're not being hit and they don't do it, it's grounding. But if they're being hit and like, they're going to make a throw, but then like the act of them being hit means they throw it like just two yards right into the ground. It's not a grounding. And I have to believe that there's some quarterbacks out there that will be like, if I'm going to get grounded, let me wait until I'm like falling over and then just kind of throw it and be like, no, no, I was falling. I was throwing to that guy, but I fell, you know, like it should be no matter what, like there should be no influence of like you being hit and how that affects how the ball is thrown. If you don't get within this close to receiver and you don't make that, that line, it's, it's grounding. Because you do see it, like yeah. smart quarterbacks will do that. Like I've seen Mahomes oh, do that sure. before. You know, he's getting yeah. pressured and getting pressured, and then like he wastely gets hit and then throws it. And was like, no, I was getting hit. Like that's what that's what happened. And they do it. Yeah, no, yeah. It's either take the punishment, take the sack. That's bad play. Take the sack, or you got to take the penalty. But yeah, the, we kind of just allow. It's it's just infuriating at times when you'll just see them. And again, or get rid of the intentional grounding rule. Ooh, I'm also fine with that. I got one. I just thought of one now that you said it. And it's the same game. The play where Derrick Henry stiff arms that guy and knocks him over, but stiff arms him by smashing him in the face with his palm, that should be a penalty to me. I don't get how you have illegal hands to the face on a defensive player. You have hands to the head on a quarterback but a running back is allowed to literally just punch a player in the face to knock him over. And that's fine. Like, how is that not a penalty? If I'm a running back, just start swinging at people's heads. Like, and I know that's exaggerated. I know, I know, but still at the same time, you know, like what do you do as a defender when someone literally palms you in the face? That's, that's an illegal hand to the face. I don't get why that's not called. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, you'd, you'd be, yeah. I mean, that would, that would, 
I agree with you that it's inconsistent in terms of the application of the rules in other situations. At the same time, that would just feel like nonstop penalties. Like I feel like almost every play would have either a wide receiver like stiff arming a player or a running back and their hand touches the face. There's a difference I think between touching player. though and like that Barely that was true. a like he almost broke his neck with <laughs> that stiff arm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and and I'll also say twice in the Lions-Packers game, and they highlighted the one incident where the Packers player just kind of elbowed the Lions receiver as he was going to ground, which then subsequently there was no penalty for that, but that's then... But did it matter because that idiot then pushed the trainer? (laughs) Yeah. However, there was a like similar play, not quite as severe, but you saw a similar one from a Lions someone in the Lions secondary where uh, one of the Packers wide receiver this was earlier in the game was tackled and he just comes flying in and just like sticks an elbow out and just knows like to me, not calling penalties on stuff like that. Like that's where the game is going wrong. Cause you're like, okay, you've got a player who is being yeah. in the, in the act of being tackled. He's going nowhere. Yes. The game moves incredibly fast, but you know that that player knows that this play is dead and to just the best case, argument they could make i guess is i'm trying to force a fumble sort of as they're going to ground they're not quite tackled yet but the reality is it's just kind of a dirty play it is a dirty play to allow and just allow those to go on in this league where we're supposed to be caring about player safety like i that to me is one they could just fix i mean i think that was one that they just genuinely missed i don't think they saw it because it was it was weird the way it happened because i didn't even see it at first it looked like he got rolled up, and that's why his head went back because he, he got rolled up from behind on his legs. And I thought that's why his head kind of cocked back. But then when you watch the replay, he gets a forearm right to the face. But no, they they definitely missed it, and they the obviously the TV coverage highlighted it yeah. extensively. The the but the earlier situation where it was not done to, in the quite to the same extreme, but on, from a Lions someone on the Lions secondary to the Packers wide receiver, that just went by but you're watching and you're like it's it's an identical thing they maybe not as effective as as what happened in in the kind of later on in the game but yeah that's you shouldn't just be allowed to kind of be charging in with your forearm sometimes even a swinging forearm as a player is getting tackled like there's no there's no way in which you can justify that yeah and i think i guess before we move away from the nfl I think it's worth mentioning that JJ Watt has retired and uh, I, I think that's, I think he's going to be done. You know, he still, still has some game in him. I mean, he's, I think he had two sacks that last game and had a pretty good season this year for, for what he played. Um, but I think, you know, he's doing what is probably this. You're going to see a lot more players doing is retiring maybe when they have something left in the tank to kind of get away and, and not, you know, risk major injuries and things like that, but pretty, Pretty impressive career, three-time defensive player of the year, seven-time All-Pro, five of that being a first-time All-Pro, two-time sack leader, and the first player in NFL history with multiple 20-sack seasons. Pretty impressive. Yeah, no, he's a definite Hall of Famer. I mean, I do think, yeah, he definitely has, he could continue to play at a high level. I'm sure his decision is slightly influenced by the fact that the Cardinals are terrible. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, like that's that kind of doesn't help. I'm sure if he was felt like he was in a situation where, hey, maybe I could win a Super Bowl, you know, then that probably changes it because he obviously something 
Um, but I will say, I want to give myself a little bit of credit, a little bit of pat on my back. You know, you've, you gave me some criticism for maybe some of my hot takes of 2022. I, whilst I wasn't correct in saying that I thought Cliff Kingsbury could be the first coach fired, which was one of the predictions I made coming into this NFL season, I did say that I did not think he would last the season. Now, technically, he lasted the Cardinals season, but he did not see out the NFL season itself. So I'm just going to take a moment when we've had a couple of weeks focusing on what you think have been my bad takes. I'm going to take a moment to give myself some credit for my good take. Yeah, you're, you're, I was actually going to mention that. You know, that was a good take. Um, I don't know where the cards go from here because now you have to find a coach that wants to revolve a team around Kyler Murray, which I'm not saying Kyler Murray is a bad player, but he's different than an average sit-in-the-pocket type quarterback. So you're going to need a, a coach who can kind of adapt a playbook around that. And there are a lot of teams in the NFL that have offenses like that, and maybe they can get an offensive coordinator uh, who's like that, but that's going to be a challenge for them. And I, I think I would just also like to mention now that the season has come to a close for the Colts that – I think there should be some backlash on the Colts hiring Jeff Saturday when uh, Irsay or whatever said that, no, 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 I think he's going to be a good coach. Like we always kind of had him dialed in to come in and, and maybe be the line coach. And eventually we always had our eye on him. He was one in seven as the Colts head coach. His only win was the first week he was the coach, which is probably more of an indication of the previous coaching regime. And some epically blowout losses, including a 54 points he gave up against the Cowboys. Uh, he gave up, I think, what, 38 against the Giants, lost to the Texans, who were the worst team in the NFL. I mean, that was an absolute failure as an experiment. See, I'm going to disagree with you. I think that was a complete success from the Colts' perspective. <laughs> they, when, they, no, when they brought in an interim head coach, they needed two things. They needed to continue to lose because they're having a bad season, so they care about their draft pick. So they didn't want to bring someone in who was competent. They knew this rest of the season was probably going to be a disaster anyway. So the other thing they wanted was they wanted to make sure that they brought in a coach, an interim head coach, who when they fired him at the end of the season or didn't, you know, like however you want, I guess, want to phrase it with an interim head coach, didn't extend his contract, didn't keep him on, that there would be no backlash, that it's just <laughs> going to be thanks very much. You know, all this talk, and I'm not saying – with the Rooney rule and the requirement to uh, interview minority candidates. Like I not saying that that shouldn't be the case in this instance, I think the minority candidate or any other candidate other than Jeff Saturday should have been delighted that this is not the moment in time in which they were given the Colts job because whoever had been given that job at that point in the season was going to be fired at the end of it. Now, and so Jeff Saturday, do you think he goes in knowing this? Do you think they bring him in or like, listen, Jeff, you've got, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Chargers, the Giants coming up. We don't expect to win any of those. Make sure we don't win any of those. And we're going to let you go. We'll give you some money. Just weather the storm and take the heat and and we'll let you go. hundred <laughs> percent. Because he does some like consulting or whatever he does already, right? That came out. I bet you the conversation between, between him and Ursay was like, look, you do this one. It's a job for life. Whenever you need some kind of role within the Colts organization, it's here for you. Yeah. And also, if you do have any ambitions of coaching in the NFL, whilst this losing season 
is probably not going to help you that much. You still now put it on the resume. Saturdays in the, yeah. Now when they go, how are you going to hire a guy who's never been a head coach in the NFL? I hate to say it to you, but I have been. Yeah. Wasn't great, but you know, like you can't, you cannot now criticize me for having no coaching experience. That's like you put it on the CV, you know, like interim head coach for the Colts, but you don't put the record down. And they're like, so what was your yeah. record with the Colts? Uh, next question. <laughs> yeah, we, we we weren't in the playoffs when I started and we didn't make the yeah. playoffs. But we showed signs of improvement. So, yeah, I guess that pretty much wraps up the uh, NFL storylines from the final week of the season. And then obviously the next episode we can do our, our in-depth preview and predictions for the wild card weekend. We've, always, we've had some years where we've done pretty well on our playoff predictions. Yeah. So we'll see. I guess before, just we've, we've kind of reviewed it several times preseason and over the course of the season. Right now, gut prediction, what's the Super Bowl matchup? I'll stick with what I said. <laughs> Which is, can you remember? You've got to, uh, with your memory issues, you're like. Chargers. Uh, who was it? I think I said Chargers Bucks. I'm, I'm not sticking yeah, with that. There's no way I stick with that. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Chiefs. Eagles. I like that you said you were gonna stick with it, then not stick with it, and then in the end not pick either of the teams you originally had. No. <laughs> I'm going Chiefs Niners, and I think the Chiefs will win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it's be Chiefs Chargers. Oh, can I even be possible? No. No. Damn it. <laughs> if it's the Chiefs Chargers Super Bowl, something's really No, weird not Super Bowl. Uh, oh, AFC AFC Championship game? Yeah. Uh, I'll go uh, Bills Chiefs AFC, AFC Championship game. Niners Eagles. I'm going to go chalk. I'm not going to go chalk in my predictions for each round of the playoffs, but I'll go chalk in terms of playoff seeding for the AFC and NFC Championship game and then have Niners, Chiefs, Chiefs winning. But yeah, I guess nothing of too much significance to report from a European football perspective. It was FA Cup weekend in England, so a break from the Premier League. City added an impressive performance, I guess, against uh, Chelsea's B team, basically. Uh, although it, it was also City resting a number of players as well. Liverpool uh, struggled against Wolves. Darwin Nunez scored a, a nice goal, although he he shinned it. So I don't know how much credit he can really get. Wonderful pass from Alexander-Arnold, but uh, the kind of goal itself is a little bit ruined by the fact that it just flew off his shin. Uh, elsewhere in, uh, in La Liga, I guess worth mentioning, a tight title race going on at the moment between Real Madrid and Barcelona. Real Madrid slipped up. Barcelona got a big win against yes, Atletico Madrid. So they now have a three-point lead and a significant goal difference advantage at the top of La Liga. So we, we're in, looks like we're in for a good title race in the Premier League. We're also set for a, a nice title race in La Liga as well and in Serie A. With- I, I, I did want to mention that too with La Liga. I, I watched the Real Madrid match because I was invested in it. So when I went to, to the gym on my elliptical little workout, I, I had that on, was watching it. I, I have to say, I, I know this is said so many times, but the difference in watching Premier League versus La Liga with the number of like just just the attitude of the players and like the flops and the aggressiveness towards the refs 
and just like the general demeanor, it makes it almost difficult to watch at times. Like every foul, the person's down for like 45 seconds. Every foul. There was a foul. The guy got hit in the shoulder and he grabbed his head and went down and like rolled around for 30 seconds holding his face. And he didn't even get hit in like the neck. It wasn't even – it was below the neck. Like it's – Yeah, the thing – It's too much at times. The thing the thing with the kind of feigning injury too as well, particularly with that kind of head contact stuff that people like to fake, I don't get in the world of VAR now why you bother. Because maybe the, you, in the old days you would have said – you convince the referee, like you con him, you make him think that you were, you know, headbutted or slapped or elbowed or whatever, he'd get a red card. Now, if he does send the player off, it's going to be reviewed. So if there was no contact, I mean, I guess the argument would be if you can get him booked one yellow card that isn't reviewed. So yeah. now you're kind of wanting the partial punishment because that's the win. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I find La Liga also did just the speed. You know, if you're used to the Premier League, you switch to La Liga and it's kind of walking pace watching them and and that's just and again I, great football it does contribute to their higher technical sort of performances within games because it's so much slower so you just have more time on the ball you have that ability to kind of be more composed but I'd, I'd rather watch a premier league game going at a million miles an hour like any day of the week over over some of what they serve up in la liga but no it's um it's nice to see several of europe's major leagues look like they'll serve up really tight tight races. Yeah. Yeah.